Hey, SpyFi fans. The following episode was recorded before the passing of the late, great Sir Sean Connery. So that's why we don't mention it in the episode. Obviously, we you know, we miss him, and he's a legend, and thoughts are with his family and loved ones. Enjoy the episode. His name is Bond, James Bond. We are the SpyFi guys, and this is Dr. No. Welcome to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we have a special guest joining us today. Welcome, Brian. Brian from the Night Cave podcast. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Well, my show is on hiatus right now, but it's called The Night Cave. It is it previously was known as the Batman versus James Bond show. It's exactly what it sounds like. A little bit of Batman and James Bond mixed into one news, some reviews in there and such, and um, you know some opinions in there too. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, uh, Google was it Google Play and uh, Spreaker, wherever else at the Night Cave. So, um, nice. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, thanks for having me again. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. And today so, we're having Brian on to talk about the very first James Bond movie, Dr. No, starring Sean Connery. And I'm going to stop you right there because technically there was a TV movie in 1954 of Casino Royale, but it is the first of the Eon production, James Bonds. And this is a little, that's a little preview of the podcast to come where I say <laughs> things about this movie and these two correct me about it. Uh, so as you may have deduced, Brian and Christian are much more into James Bond than I am. I mean, as I was telling them before we started, I do like it, but I wouldn't call myself an uber super fan the way they are. But as you were saying, this is the first uh, of the Eon production James Bond movies. And tying into where our movie film last week, uh, so what happened in October of 1962, this debuted in October on October 5th, 1962. So pretty wow. much the same time that the Cuban Missile Crisis was happening, Dr. No came out. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so it's uh, based on the novel, which came out. Ooh, actually, when did it come out? I know that the Casino Royale came out in 1953, but the actual James Bond novel came out in... Let's see, March 1958. So still before the the movie, but not that not as much as Casino Royale. And I don't think it's as fast of a turnaround of book to movie as something like Harry Potter or The Hunger Games. No, not quite. <laughs> so I did read the book beforehand. So when it gets later into spy fact versus spy fiction, we can go over some of the different details of what changed. But do we just want to get right into the plot? Before we do, I wanted to read you guys some of the taglines collated okay. from IMDb. They're not quite as funny as the ones that we found for the spy who came in from the cold. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> so here's just a few. Spend a night with James Bond. <laughs> the first James Bond film adventure. And my personal favorite, 007. The double O means he has a license to kill when he chooses, where he chooses, whom he chooses. Ooh. <laughs> I like the use of whom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to say to you guys mm-hmm. before we get started with the movie I know I had seen it because mm-hmm. I had seen all of the James Bond movies except for the Timothy Dalton ones but it turns out that what I remembered of the movie is not from the movie so for oh. example I was like okay I know the cold opening the cold opening is when he swims up to that casino in a wetsuit and he takes the wetsuit mm-hmm. off and he's that's a doctor no. oh that's golden eye gold finger Okay, and then I was like, all right. So then later they have the Bond girl and she's in the bathing suit, but then she steps on like a like a, 
like a sea urchin and gets a quill mm. in her foot and his butt has to like suck the poison out mm -hmm. and it's really That's hot. Terrible. Okay. <laughs> and then I was telling uh, my sister who we've had on earlier about it. She's like, is that the one where he's on the table and the laser is like going to cut him in half? No. That one I knew was not this one. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start with uh, our synopsis from IMDb. It says, a resourceful British government agent seeks answers in a case involving the disappearance of a colleague and the disruption of the American space program. So right off the bat there, this gives you a good idea of where we are, because this is right in the middle of the space race. Yeah. I think, yeah. By this time, Kennedy had already given his, you know, we choose to go to the moon speech. And what, 62, we're still in the Mercury uh, space program. So they're still getting up some of the early astronauts. But yeah, we're right in the middle of the space race. Unfortunately, I already have a little bit of a complaint. Okay. And I told Brian I wasn't going to complain the whole time, <laughs> but I sometimes had positive opinions about it. But so we've talked a little bit mm -hmm. in The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, where if you're going to have these high concept things in a spy movie, you mm -hmm. have to be careful so that okay. people don't get bored. <laughs> so like in The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, there was a lot of talking about people and events and places and things that we didn't see. Right. And this movie kind of had that too a little bit. What? It did. They keep talking about these rockets and you don't actually see them until the end. Okay, well, I'm going to say, for the, and again, put it, put yourself into the time period. Mm -hmm. Everyone knew the rockets where you don't need to show the rockets because they were already front of mind. That's like explaining things from the Star Wars prequels that you can just read about it in a book. <laughs> Movies are supposed to stand on their own. They're supposed to make sense, especially these James Bond ones, which people consider to be very timeless, which they are mm -hmm. for the most part. But this is all right. All right. We can edit that part out. <laughs> uh, so we start with the, the gun barrel. And this is interesting because there's no pre credit scene. It just goes right. Well, it goes in gun barrel and then right into the title sequence. That's true. So something that I've ob observed was how much of these classic James Bond things are there right from the start. Mm -hmm. And the gun barrel is one of them. And I noticed he's wearing a hat. I think Connery and Lazenby are the only ones who wear hats. By the time it gets to Roger Moore, uh, it's n there's no hat. But, fun fact... That's when he goes into the office. <laughs> yep. <laughs> fun fact, though, that's not Sean Connery in that gun barrel. I, I sort of assumed that it was never... Body in the gun barrel for all the James Bond movies look don't look like the actors. Okay, well, this is the only case. Well, this up through, I think, Thunderball is the only times where it isn't actually the actor. Every other time, it's the actor. I'm going to well, have to go back and look more closely. This is Bob Simmons. And right. you can tell because he does a little sort of hop to the side when he does the gun barrel. Like like the spin and shoot? Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, he, he has a little hop. Like that. each of the um, different actors has their own little twist they do. Lazenby goes on down on one knee. Connery, when he actually does it, has a, like a little bit of a wobble when he's doing it. So you can actually tell when it is Connery or when it isn't. All right. Transitions from the James Bond theme into uh, like a Calypso version of Three Blind Mice. This opening credit sequence, mm -hmm. that's also something that was there from the beginning is these like psychedelic opening credits. But the mm -hmm. dancing, the, the people dancing and then they're like the colors, that's like the Archer opening. I mean, I guess it's kind of obvious. It is very much in, like that is where Archer gets a lot of it from, especially the, like all the dots and everything. That's all the dot Archer. moving around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you see, basically, if you see that sort of thing with a dot moving around or like multiple dots, that's all taken from Doctor No. I feel like, uh, what is that? Killers, I think, is the one with uh, Ashton Kutcher. 
they have a very Doctor No inspired title sequence as well. So anytime you get that, that's like uh, they went right back to the source. Okay, so as you said, it's three. It's a song about three blind mice, like the nursery rhyme. Mm-hmm. The it cuts to Kingston, Jamaica, and of course it's in Jamaica because, as we discussed in our Fleming episode, he mm-hmm. loved Jamaica, lived there, had a house there, and so on. Mm-hmm. The three blind mice refer to these three men who turn out to be assassins. Mm-hmm. Three blind him. men. Well, but they're not blind. They're just well, pretending a to be fake blind. blind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They kill a professor and then his secretary and steal mm-hmm. a file named Dr. No. And one that says Crab Key. Okay. When uh, he kills his secretary, she's you know trying to get onto the radio and she has a secret radio hidden in the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And so, but you know, she gets, she gets through and then she's killed. And then we cut to London in the signals room in MI6 security control. And they're, you know, one of the guys in there is reporting that Jamaica broke off right after transmitting. Mm-hmm. And so something's wrong, obviously. And so they need to get 007 to investigate. We transition to a ambassador's residence, I think. No, it's a club called Les Ambassadors. Um, oh, yeah. I see. So I it's a, it's a, um, what would you call it? A social club. So, you know, one of those places that we have never been inside because we are not high money. <laughs> I thought it was more just a casino. But if you say social club for the rich and fancy, okay. I see how it is. (laughs) So Bond is there. He's gambling. He's playing some gambling game that I've never even heard of. Shimin Defer. That's how low class I am. Okay. (laughs) He introduces himself as Bond, James Bond. Everybody swoons. Mm -hmm. And he's playing against, uh, well, up until No Time to Die, the only recurring Bond girl. Oh, really? Sylvia Trench, yes. When does she come back? From Russia with Love, the very next film. Okay. But yeah, uh, so they have this, um, and I mean, let's not skip over the, like, the most iconic entrance of James Bond, like the first appearance. It's, it, I like how they do it. They don't show his face for a long time. You just sort of see you know, his, either his hands or something, and it's all from the perspective, his perspective as you're looking. And then when Sylvia Trench is like, I admire your luck, mister, and then it comes in, Bond. James Bond. Looking very cool in his tuxedo. Meh. <laughs> I say meh. He's just, he's just sitting there. I was going to say, this. It, like Christian said, this is iconic. This this scene set the template for what is for most, not just all James Bond movies, but for spy movies in general, for just the um, I guess the glamorous look, the, well, I'm trying to think of the word, just the iconic man, the guy that everybody wanted to be. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, yeah, just the cinematography. Thank you. It's uh, it, it's just like Christian said, you're just looking at just this actress and you have no idea who she is, but all of a sudden everything like stops frozen. It's like Bond, James Bond. And it's just, yeah, it's just, and then you cue the James Bond theme written by Monty <laughs> and played by John Barry. Oh man. Yeah. It gets me every time. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's my comment. And that's one of the things, and we'll, we'll notice this pop up a lot. There's no theme song, like, you know, all the other Bond movies have a theme song. The theme song for this movie is the James Bond theme. So anytime he does something, whether she, he's getting off a plane, entering a hotel room, starting a bath, he's, you start that James Bond theme, and it's just all over the place, man. And I love it. I want that theme to chime in when I ride. <laughs> right? Roll into a room. <laughs> He just, he just needs to walk around and you play the music and it, it seems just so cool. He's Mr. Cool. Into a room. 
<laughs> He's so cool. Even when he says things like, Andre, I must pass the shoe. What? Okay. So here, <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a podcast of you asking, what does this mean? I'm like, well, actually. <laughs> so, minds want to know. In, in Shemin Defer, also in Blackjack and in Balkarat, you have this thing called the shoe. That's where all the cards are kept. Usually it's a uh, six, six different decks of cards in mm -hmm. the shoe. So the shoe is yeah that thing that all the cards are held in. And so when you're saying I'm passing the shoe, that means I can't be the bank anymore. I'm not the you know the person that people are playing against. So someone then goes to the next person. I see. Mm -hmm. I, and actually, you. if you read the novel of Casino Royale, in the novel they're playing uh, baccarat or shinmin defer rather than poker. And there's like a whole chapter where they explain how you play shinmin defer, which is how I know how to play it. <laughs> Wasn't Fleming a big gambler? He was, definitely. I mean, so that, if that makes sense. flashback to our episode of Fleming, when he's uh, going against the Nazi officers, that's what he's playing. Yes, I do, I do remember that. Yeah. Okay, so he starts making eyes at Sylvia Trench, and he gives her his card mm -hmm. with his phone number on it. What do you think is written on James Bond's card, business card? Well, license to thrill. <laughs> international man of mystery whatever his cover job because his cover job and i think Luxembourg. they briefly mention it in, in the film is universal exports he's it works as an importer exporter which gives him excuse to travel all over the globe basically i'm mostly into mergers and acquisitions myself <laughs> yes yeah, so he goes and he goes into mi6 headquarters and this is where mm -hmm. we get the first appearance of money penny so I have some info about Money Penny because I read All a right. blog post about this. <laughs> so the actress who played her, whose name mm -hmm. I f do not know, I didn't look it up. What's up? L Lois Maxwell. Lois Maxwell. She was originally considered to play a Bond girl, but she thought she was too old to be yeah. one. She was actually supposed to play Sylvia Trench. Okay. Yeah. And so she ended up getting the role of Miss Money Penny instead. And despite being such like an iconic character who was in so many movies, she only has like less than fifty lines of dialogue yeah, across all. Of right. I of course so th so they're flirting immediately. So there's all this stuff of James Bond that's in the first movie. Mm -hmm. So he says something about um, I wouldn't want to be accused of mishandling government property. <laughs> it's like I'm not sure that aged so well. No, I mean yeah. Well, whatever. But I will say, with I, so I watched this with my wife, and she said, like, she liked this interaction better out of any of the ones she's seen because it feels like Money Penny's more in control here, is what she said. Okay. Yeah, this wouldn't happen definitely in today's world, I guess. Um, I was going to say because of the Me Too movement. Uh, but you know, I mean, people might say it doesn't age well, but it's it's flirting in the office, and you know, I mean. It happens. I mean, hey, come on, you know, L L Lois Maxwell. I mean, she was very pretty in her time. Don't call me. I don't. Wouldn't want to be because of being a stick in the mud. I'm just saying. <laughs> let's not call women. Like, let's not literally call women property. Okay, yeah, that's the rest, fair. The rest of it is fine. The rest <laughs> of it I get is like a, a, a property of the time. But okay, so he goes into CM, and M has a mission, very simple mission: find mm. Professor Strangways. Strongways. Strangways. Finds yeah. Professor Strangways. Go to Jamaica, find him. And then they bring in an armorer, not Q. Oh, he's so, a yes. actor, yes, but he's not the Wait, he's the actor? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. I don't know. So it is Q. So it is, he's called the armorer is what he is. So he's not quite Q, except he's supposed to still be Q. It's a little, and I'll talk about this when we get into our spy fact for spy fiction section. Okay. Um, but you left out one of the 
things about the mission. So the um, Americans contacted MI6 about interference with their missiles launching out of Cape Canaveral. And he mentioned the word toppling, which is using radio signals to basically throw a missile off course. Okay. And so that's why it's much more, you know, much more serious than just, okay, someone went missing. Right. But it, again, I want to see that missile getting knocked off course. <laughs> that would have been a great opening to the movie. All right. But consider this. This movie had only like a million dollars of budget. Well, to that, I say Batman the movie. <laughs> Starring Adam West and Burt Ward. Mm-hmm. The part with the Holy Polaris, they just take stock footage of a Polaris missile being fired. All right, all right. <laughs> so I'm not telling Ian Broccoli how to make his movie. I'm just saying I would have liked to have seen the missile see the stakes. All right, That's all right. It. So, yeah, so we get the armorer who comes in, and this is where we get the intro of, you know, one of the most iconic weapons, the Walther PPK. Right. Which I was always led to believe was the PP7, but apparently that's just in the GoldenEye video. That is just in GoldenEye. Yep. <laughs> because they couldn't back in those days, you couldn't really get the rights to um, to use use actual names of guns. Nowadays, though, you can use look at your Call of Duties or any other game, and you, it's, it's the actual name of the gun. I think they realized correctly that it's great advertising. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's funny. Bond swaps out a Beretta. For mm-hmm. the Walther PPK. So yeah. for those of you who listen to our Munich Microdot episode, we talked about how the Mossad assassins in that movie use Berettas because they don't actually need more stopping power. Right. Your enemy is a man. A little gun is enough. <laughs> to, quote their, to quote their trainer. But here, M is like, oh, you need more stopping power, even though you've been using a Beretta for 10 years. Well, it's not just that he needs more stopping power. It's also that it jammed on his last job. Right. So that's like a little bit of building his character, that he's been at this for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's a man who lives the life of danger. <laughs> nice quote. It fits well in a lady's purse, too, that Beretta. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't get that. Is it like they were making fun of him as the idea? Yeah, he was saying it was a lady's gun, is what it was. Toxic masculinity. <laughs> Um, I also like on on his way out when mm-hmm. M says, forget the usual repartee money penny, mm-hmm. 007's in a hurry. <laughs> so again, it establishes that this is, you know, that, that they're, they have a pattern of doing this and, you know, and also, yeah, uh, give, it gives them a backstory of, you know, all right, he's been doing this for years, basically, which I like that. It, it makes it, you know, okay, this might be the first movie, but this isn't his first mission. It's just another day. It's literally just another day in the office, <laughs> which reminds me, I have a question for you guys. All right. And I apologize for slightly off topic. I hope you don't have anywhere to go anytime soon. No, I'm just kidding. I know you don't. So <laughs> I saw a comment on Reddit where I get all my information where someone was like, I want the next James Bond movie to be, he gets a mission, he goes on the mission and he does the mission. Mm. None of this going rogue, <laughs> defying superiors. That is a common complaint over the last, well, so what's your question? When the, when's the last time that happened? No, my question is, do you do you agree about that? 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, the last time that really happened, a true, just a mission, uh, you know, I almost want to say Goldeneye or Tomorrow Never Dies is actually when it, I mean, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, probably dies. never dies. Yeah, that's probably I mean, it. That was a little more personal because he had a relationship with uh, Paris in there. Um, mm-hmm. Paris, the, the country, the, the girl. Um, 
But yeah, I, I'm Zach. I'm 100 with you on this because um, I hope whenever and I, I know we're thinking ahead here with Daniel Craig. Whenever he leaves James Bond, not saying this really will be his last, even though they say it. But um, <laughs> I'm, I really hope that they go back to kind of an old formula or kind of just like a one-off mission. Mission Impossible movies, for example, they are kind of connected in a way, but some of them have mm -hmm. just like they're one-off. If you want to say Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, that's kind of a one-off. Mm -hmm. uh, Rogue Nation, not so much, I guess, Christian. I, no, I, Rogue Nation and, well, I mean, I feel like Rogue Nation you can watch yeah. by itself. Yeah. You don't need anything else. But then Fallout gets into sort of a culmination thing. But yeah, I know what you mean. Right. Um, A, a movie like The Man from Uncle, that, that would be kind of like a one-off in a way. But stop making everything so personal. <laughs> this is the most personal, personal, personal mission ever, you know, and it's all connected. It, I'm... I, I just don't think everything has to be that way with movies. Um, same with like a Batman movie. Not everything has to be just, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne has been betrayed again, you know, <laughs> just my two Didn't Casino Royale, he go on a mission and do it. The Casino Royale remake. Yes. Yes. It started off that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then it became a little different though, because he had yeah. a lot of interest in that. So Christian and I cover, this is only our second James Bond that we've covered on this podcast. Our first one was License to Kill. Where he goes off on a personal vendetta. <laughs> yes. And the thing about that, I felt, I don't remember whether Christian agreed or not. He probably didn't. Was I felt like all of that, the whole conceit of the movie didn't work. That James Bond is going rogue. He's lost his license to kill. He is operating without support. I felt like, it didn't, the movie didn't sustain that conceit. And I think we can just, bl we can blame that on the movies of the era, your diehards and whatnot, because it was, that's what, again, I think we talked about that is that what License Kill was really trying to emulate. And then from yeah. there going into, you know, what the modern action day movie is, it's not mm -hmm. someone who's just going off on a mission, sadly. Um, and it's always, it's, you know, pers more personal and that sort of stuff, which is why the Bond movies have tended into that direction. But I think, yeah, after whenever Daniel Craig does leave, we'll probably go back to a more sort of formulaic because I think, and it's just touching into our current day. People are going to want something that more escapist, I think, and less serious because what, what we're dealing with now as as we're recording, obviously we're all in you know self quarantine, so mm -hmm. they're gonna like, want a bit more escapism and not not as much realism. I think. Yeah, people like the Marvel movies. They don't like <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> I mean, like this is an example of not so much a character study in a way, which is more mm -hmm. new, um, I guess the new era of movies has become. Um, like you said, escapism. I mean, it, this is no matter what you say, it's a far fetched thing. In a, to a point um, more grounded than some like saying having James Bond uh, have a laser fight in space. <laughs> I mean, hey, right. hey, you know, Space Force, uh, that that could very well happen in the next 10 to 20 years. Uh, but yet I, I like this because it's the one off. It's um, you don't have to know anything about this. You don't have to watch this as your first James Bond, even though it is the first mm -hmm. of the Eon productions. Um, you could go back and watch this and you I mean, you are familiar with how the scenes are and such. But um yeah, it's uh, it's it's a really good movie. I mean, I All right, speaking of that good movie, we should probably get back to it. <laughs> well, one more thing. Okay. And I, maybe you can. Uh, when I watch this, I realize Bond doesn't do the hat toss onto the hat rack, does he? I don't think he's even wearing a hat. He's wearing a hat, but I don't think he does a toss, which is like an, one again one of those iconic things. I guess that starred probably in the next film and from Russia with Love. 
But mm. you know, whenever he comes, if he has a hat and he goes into M's office, he throws his hat onto the hat rack. So he goes back to his house, and once he gets in, he sort of notices something is off, and so he, you know, slips off his shoes, grabs his gun from his holster, his new gun, and kicks open one of the doors of his uh, into his bedroom, and he finds Sylvia Trench there, playing, you know, with a, with a golf club, chipping into a cup, mm-hmm. wearing only what looks like his pajama shirt. Right. So a couple things we learned from this is that he's a man with enemies mm-hmm. and he knows how, what to do when those enemies come for him. And he's also, this isn't the first time he's found some strange woman in his apartment. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not too bothered by it. Yes. But, and of course they get together. That's Bond girl. Number one. I don't really have anything more to say about that. Mm-hmm. And he flies away on Pan Am. Ah, uh, yes, another classic. I feel like these, when, especially watching older films, we're going to be talking about TSA and Pan Am a lot. Oh, yeah, big time. Well, I've told Christian this before, but when reading books like Munich or like the history of 60s, 70s, it feels like Pan Am flights are always getting hijacked or blown up or <laughs> something terrible. It feels like they were just terrible to fly on, but that's just statistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when Bond lands in Jamaica, he, you know, gets the nice swell of the James Bond theme. And then this photographer who is going past him, he tries to get a photo of him and he very like very smoothly uses his hat to block his face. I love that part. But then they ruin it by showing her being like grumble, 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 grumble. <laughs> Ruined it. It would have been better I don't if it was more so. subtle. No, no, it would have been so cool if she like takes a picture and he blocks it and he, and then the, the scene just keeps going because you because they don't explain why she's significant until later. So mm. then it's like subtle. Then it's like you have to go back and watch it again to understand what was going on. I think, and again, this is just going to be you know of the era. That sort of subtlety would be missed by an audience because they're not gonna they're not gonna go back to it because you don't have VHSs or anything that you can go back and watch it for. That's true. You know, when he gets to the curbside, he's going to get a cab. But we find Mr. Jones there. And he says that he was uh, sent by government house to pick him up. Yeah. And I like this. Bond goes over to you know, the payphone. Wait, what's a payphone? <laughs> it's what Superman uses to get changed into his costume. Right. But he, co- he goes government house. Government house is like the local government. Because I, be- I don't actually I don't know what the. Um, it's, like a, it's like a consulate or something. It's a consulate, or I think at this time maybe uh, um, Jamaica was still under British control. I'm not actually sure of the, the geopolitical situation there. Right. But he calls government house and asks if they sent cars. And no, I didn't want, think you wanted an official reception. And he's like, quite right. And yeah. So while he, and also while this is happening, we see someone in some very distinct sunglasses is watching him. So it's like enemy spies are everywhere. The girl with the camera, the guy with the sunglasses, the driver. Oh my goodness. What is our hero wandered into? <laughs> I also like how the driver is like, hey, I'm here to pick you up. And Bond is like, wait a second. And he just leaves. And then he comes back. <laughs> and the driver suspects nothing. <laughs> so then they start driving. There's a car chase. Mm-hmm. The first car chase. Uh, Bond, you know, realized Mr. Jones, well, not, he knows already that Mr. Jones isn't from Government House. And so, he, uh-huh. yeah, they have a fight and a nice judo throw and a punch. Yep. And Jones uh, asks for a cigarette. But he's a very nervous passenger. <laughs> yes. So they fight, Jones loses, and then Jones commits suicide rather than reveal any information. With so I was cyanide like, in a cigarette. I was like, is this like a suicide cult or something? <laughs> 
Or like an anti-smoking campaign. There, there you go. <laughs> well, fortunately, explain it later in a way that makes sense. I guess we'll just say it now that he's more afraid of Dr. No than he is of James Bond. And that's why he killed himself, which of course makes total sense. But it also shows that James Bond isn't just like this pretty boy. He does have some fighting abilities. Mm -hmm. He, you know, hand to hand combat, you know, so Mm -hmm. kind of what it does. I was appreciating his very nice judo throw there. How did you have keto class go yesterday? That was good. Yeah. Um, no throws, thankfully, because uh, I don't know where I would land in my living room. <laughs> so then in the next scene, we get our very first after the kill joke. <laughs> Something else is there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So he drives, so he drives uh, the car with Jones in the backseat. And, you know, once he gets up to the up to government house, he says, make sure he doesn't get away. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Excuse my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> Uh, from uh, True Lies, right? I don't know, one of them. Yeah. So then Bond goes full-on detective. World's mm-hmm. greatest detective in the next couple of scenes. He like <laughs> interviews the witnesses, goes to the scenes of the crime, mm-hmm. starts asking around, which is not something we see in a lot of James Bond movies, I don't feel. No, not really. Usually he has a mission and... Well, he'll usually go... Actually, usually what he does is he goes right up to the to the villain in like some sort of party and then finds out what he can there. Yeah, but I guess there is a hint towards that in this when he, when the guy at government house is like, "You want to meet them? You know, want me to bring them in?" And you can question him. Is no, I want to meet them socially. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. It's like for once, James Bond isn't like I'm Mister Super Secret Agent. <laughs> Everyone be afraid of me or whatever. Uh, so he goes to fi- he finds Quarrel, mm-hmm. who reminded me a lot of Sharky from License mm-hmm. to Kill. Sure, it is a very much a. So, and as, well, if we ever get to live and let die, yet you have Quarrel Jr., who is Quarrel's son, who ha- does exactly the same role as Quarrel, oh and then Sharky God. as well. Yeah, it's just, I feel like they should have made, because I don't think Quarrel Jr. dies. They should have just made Sharky Quarrel Jr. But then it's like, these this Quarrel family, haven't they suffered enough? <laughs> hmm. Oh, that's true, because Sharky dies. Okay. Maybe that's a good reason not to have it Quarrel Jr. then. <laughs> okay, so he goes to see Quarrel... At his, do- at his boat, Quarrel's unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Quarrel runs away into this, like, cantina restaurant. Bond follows him in. Mm-hmm. And are these guys the assassins or no? No. They're not? Because there's three guys. Yeah, so, no, well, there's two guys. There's Quarrel and there's Pussfeller. Okay, but then there was, wasn't there some other guy out in the front? Uh, probably. I mean, it may have just been one of the workers at the thing. So, no, okay. Pussfeller, the guy at the front, who says, you know, see, so we get some, you know, privacy. That is the same guy who comes in later to hold him. Oh, okay. And then we have the line, you know, Pussfeller wrestles alligator. He's the owner of the cantina bar, Pussfeller. Yeah. Okay. So they are revealed. They, they pull a knife on Bond. There's a fight. He throws Quarrel into a big box of red striped beer. <laughs> and then Felix comes in. Well, Bond gets the drop on them, pulls his gun. And then Felix gets the drop on Bond, mm-hmm. pulls the gun on him. But fortunately, they all they all pe- make nice. Yeah. Yeah. So Felix Leiter, played by Jack Lord, who was in the original uh, Hawaii Five O. Nice. Fun fact: the current person who plays uh, McGarrett in Hawaii Five O actually auditioned for Casino Royale. Did not get it though. Wait, to be James Bond in Casino yeah. Royale? Mm-hmm. Is he British? No, nope, he's Australian. Well, there's there's precedent for that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So then on their way out, Bond says about um, Pussfeller, hope he cooks better than he fights. It's <laughs> no like, one never died from my cooking. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to make fun of somebody after you beat him up, okay? <laughs> Come on, James Bond. I thought uh, you were better than that. And if you're wondering what the origin of his name is, it's that he wrestled like uh, an octopus at some point. And he became famous, so that's a big, his, his nickname became Pussfeller. Is that in the book? It is in the book. Okay. Which I found it interesting in the in the novel. They say, mentioned he wrestles alligators, not octopuses. So I'm like, oh, why did they change that? Uh, because wrestling an alligator is a lot more believable than rescuing uh, wrestling an octopus. Fair enough. So then in the next scene, they're at a party. It's party time. All of them hanging out. Mm-hmm. And then the camera girl's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, she takes a picture of them, tries to escape. I, I like when Bond was like, get after her. Get the camera. Snap, snap, get to it. You don't usually, you don't see him ordering people around that much. Mm. Okay, just a couple other things about this. There's a part where she says, tell this ape to let me go, which I thought was very uncalled for. And she stabs Coral with this like broken light bulb. Oh, yeah. He I was like, barely oh reacts to that. <laughs> yeah, what a badass. <laughs> and then she's also wearing a Chinese style dress. Mm-hmm. So... And this is more explicit in the novel. Like it seems like all of the people who are Chinese are working for Doctor No in the book, and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a bit more racist in its portrayal about that. Whereas in this, it's sort of like it's never you know specifically stated. Like you'll notice it that oh yeah, a lot of people work for Chinese, but they don't like say that every Chinese person is working for Doctor No. So mm-hmm. at least it was a little more subtle than the book was, because the book was a <laughs> borders on. Uh, on yellow right. peril. Can't imagine a James Bond movie ever being described as subtle about everything, about anything. <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. Do you live and let die? <laughs> oh yeah. And Quarrels like want me to break her arm at one point. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! But then eventually they get on their way. It, you know, they let her go. The last we see of the three blind mice. Oh yeah. Well, they try to kill James Bond and fail. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, t- yeah. yeah. So. I'm I'm wondering if that's a dropped plot is like they were supposed to reappear again and just never did or what? Because, yeah, we never see them taken care of and they just sort of get off scot-free. Maybe there's a deleted scene where Dr. No fires them. Okay, so then we get some some recon planes and we learn that Dent, Professor Dent, one of the professors from before, is a bad guy. Mm Mm-hmm. He's in on it. So um, one of the things that Bond had found from Strangways was a receipt. Uh which uh, from Dr. No's laboratory. And so he, you know, he said that, oh yeah, he brought some samples and they were nothing. But in reality, they were radioactive. Yes. So now there's a radioactivity angle. <laughs> That's all we needed. So then, so Bond learns what he learns. He goes home and he starts drinking, <laughs> which I love. Bond I'll, drinking by himself. Before you get to that, I gotta stop you because he does very subtle things when he's in his, mm-hmm. his hotel room. Um, he uh-huh. smells the bottle of vodka. Um, after well, actually, no, the the hotel guy, um, you know, the bartender or whatever who came into his room actually, you know, shaken. Not here's your medium drive uh, martini, sir. Shaken, not stirred as you requested. Um, before he leaves his room, he pulls his part of his toupee. <laughs> I, I think it was a toupee then, also for uh, Sean Connery. He puts mm-hmm. it. 
air right on the doorway um just so it sticks just little subtle things i mean he remember this is a no gadget uh james bond movie also that's something yeah. everybody expects if you go back and watch a james bond movie oh what's his <laughs> gonna be is it gonna be the laser watch is it gonna be the invisible car you know um no this was him being you know just very clever i'm gonna use hair i'm just gonna do well, i'm gonna put some what do you put pepper christian on the uh, uh the talcum powder ah, right let's see if somebody would open his suitcase so um yeah. definitely have you guys read 1984 by George Orwell. I have not actually. I have it on Audible, but I have not gotten through it. So there's parts where the the main character suspects that Big Brother is searching through his books. So he mm. takes like like chalk or like salt or something like that and mm. like just puts it over the book so that he would know if someone Makes would look sense. at it. And then they get it, and then they put the chalk back because that's how smart they are. <laughs> they see everything. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so the clearly movie. the people who searched uh, Bond's room were not that smart because they left telltale signs that they were looking around. Right. Uh, okay, so then Bond's sleeping, and then a spider, they try to use a spider to kill him. Yeah, so. I, I like in this scene. Uh, ever oh, ahead, I was going to say that sheet of glass was pretty apparent there. Yeah, so there's a... Connery refused to do the film, or to do the scene unless mm-hmm. there was a pane of glass between him and the, and the tarantula. So if you look, you can see that it's clearly not crawling on him. I didn't look that closely. Yeah. I, prefer also to, like, I prefer to maintain the illusion. I also like the musical stings when mm-hmm. he uses the, the uh, um, his shoe to smash the spiders, like, dint, 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 dint. <laughs> like, did you need to smash it five times? <laughs> I guess he really hates spiders. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of smashing. It also reminded me of Psycho, like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But actually, so let's let's rewind a little bit. So where that spider came from? Okay. So Professor Dent got that. For, he actually goes to Crab Key and go and goes into um, meets with Doctor No. Like over, well, I think he's just in like this. Inter- looks like an interrogation room or something. But it's got the first example of your classic Ken Adams design of like. With the weird angles and the giant uh, ovalish opening in the ceiling, mm-hmm. that real '60s feel. And so, yeah, Bond or uh, um, Strangways gets the tarantula from Doctor No. Yeah, it says to kill him with that. We actually never see Doctor No, which is really cool. It's like that's mm-hmm. something with this James Bond movie that you know actually has been happening a lot lately with the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. We don't see our villain till like what the last thirty minutes, not even oh, yeah. thirty mm-hmm. minutes. Um, but we just have everybody has this fear of this guy. You hear the voice; it's pretty creepy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, getting and you know, just taking a you know, tarantula. Yeah, take the tarantula tonight. It reminded me of Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget, <laughs> who was inspired by another b- big villain from from the James Bond series. Which villain is that? Blofeld. Oh, oh yeah, Blofeld. <laughs> but it's like Blofeld combined with Doctor No because he's got the metal hand. Mm, eh, that's true. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Okay, so Bond goes after Dent, sort of. He hit, starts hitting on Dent's secretary. Mm-hmm, Miss Tarot. Yup. Uh, she's attractive. That's all I have to say about that. And then <laughs> and then there's another car chase with a, a very obvious green screen. Uh, yep, it's not even green screen. It's rear projection. So what they would do is they'd have like a fake car and they'd have a project, like a screen in back of them and they'd project the background onto them, onto mm-hmm. the back. Yeah, but unlike a lot of old special effects, this one's more charming than just old. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I also like how in old movies, when they have the wheel, they do like these 
big <laughs> motions when they turn the wheel. Well, I would say that's probably a little true to life because back in those days, they didn't have power steering. So you did have to move the wheel a lot more. <laughs> you can see him trying to shift in there too. And, uh, oh, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> facial gestures in there. Uh, it's pretty funny. I just like also how when he's going in a straight line, but he still has the wheel. Going, going <laughs> so he avoids the pursuers is by mm -hmm. going under this crane, but mm -hmm. we don't actually see him go under the crane or <laughs> they don't actually do the stunt. In other words, mm -hmm. which I found funny, the yeah. pursuer car crashes and explodes. The pursuer car, which was a hearse. Oh, it was. Which makes, yeah. Which makes the line make sense. Is that the three blind mice? You know, I think that actually you're right. Yeah, I think that is supposed to be the three blind mice in that car, which now makes sense. That's, <clears throat> I always thought it was anyway. I could be wrong. Um, and he wasn't driving the Aston Martin. No. What was he driving? He's driving, what is a Sunbeam, I think. Wait, does he have an Aston Martin in this movie? No, he does not. Yeah, I didn't think so. No, 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 made a bigger yeah. deal of it if he had. Yeah. <laughs> he had. It was some like little convertible. I don't know. But, yeah. you know. But yeah, they were on their way to a funeral. <laughs> our, our second after the kill one-liner mm -hmm. from Bond. Okay, so he goes to see the secretary and he does the Harrison Ford style very physically aggressive with her. I find that funny that you've, that's your point of reference is the Harrison Ford when he was probably mimicking the Sean Connery. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but you, you can see whose movies I've watched more of. Fair enough. So it, the, sec the secretary, dense secretary, reveals that she is evil too. Mm -hmm. And in the next scene, she's also wearing a Chinese dress when she gets arrested. Mm -hmm. And when she gets arrested, um, we Bond stays at her place. Yeah, and he just stays at her house and starts drinking her booze, which is hilarious. <laughs> grabs it. Well, he also puts some pillows in the bed to make it look like he's in the bed there. Mm -hmm. And then. Professor, and so he's waiting for uh, Professor Dent to come, playing yep. some solitaire. And Professor Dent, you know, comes in the door, shoots the pillows, mm -hmm. and you know when he, and Bond's waiting right behind the door and saying, "Drop the gun behind you." If only and Dent had just shot him instead of using that stupid tarantula, it would have worked. <laughs> Apparently, Dent is like a killer, and so was James Bond. Well, mm -hmm. we knew James Bond was a killer, but in this scene. So he has. So let me know if I'm skipping ahead, but I don't think I am skipping anything important. He's talking to Dent. Dent knows nothing. He asks him his questions. Dent grabs his gun, shoots Bond, but it's out of bullets. Bond is like, ha, ha, ha. I knew you were out of bullets. You've had I your six. Your I counted your bullets like he's Batman. And he just, shoots, <laughs> he just shoots Dent in cold blood. Yep. So this scene was actually inserted into the movie. It's not in the book, but it was mm -hmm. inserted into the movie to show... Bond's license to kill to show like what it's not just killing in self-defense or in the heat of action. It's you can you can kill someone in cold blood if that's what the mission calls for. But it wasn't what the mission called for. That was the crazy part. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it's bad. It's just interesting. Yeah. And then it's the first uh, I feel like it's one of the earliest cinematic moments like that. So it was very shocking to audience. They actually filmed it where he shoots uh, Dent six times in the back and test audience are like no that's too much so they just got down to him shooting him in the front and then you know in the back once yeah even the back once a little bit excessive it's laying on the ground after he shot him in the chest and then you see the back twitch again which I thought was, was pretty funny <laughs> didn't yeah. catch that 
I mean, certainly from the movies in the 60s where you get the idea of one shot and the guy is dead. You don't need to elaborate. Okay, so then finally they go to Crab Key. Mm -hmm. Finally they go to Dr. No's Island after what feels like an eternity. (laughs) So so Bond, Leiter, and Quarrel get into a boat and they're dragging this paddle boat behind them. Mm -hmm. And so um, Bond and and, uh, Quarrel get in the paddle boat and Leiter takes the motorboat back. Right. So as they're driving up, or um, they're going up to the island, they drop the sail to make sure that they're not detected by radar. I like that. And so they go and get some rest. Yeah, they and... go to the island and they go to sleep. <laughs> what kind of well, action hero is this? I mean, they can't really search much in the dark if they don't know what they're looking for. Besides, they're looking for the dragon. Uh, yes, the dragon. <laughs> Like, I know it makes sense. I get that. I just cannot imagine any other action hero going to the bad guy base, being like, we're at the base. Here we go. But first, we're going to go to sleep for a little bit. I'm going to take a little nap, and then we'll go get him. Mm-hmm. And also, they but, don't even bring like a tent or anything. He just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. goes on the ground and goes to sleep. <laughs> and they don't bring much supply. Yeah, they don't bring many supplies either, other than, you know, they're two, like, each of them has a gun, and then Quarrel's got all his rum. I don't think they even yeah. brought water. I mean, yeah, it's not a survival mission; it's a <laughs> combat mission. You need rum for that, apparently. And then Felix Leiter's just hanging out on the boat for who knows how long. Right? Yeah. So he's well. To be fair to Felix, so he did say, "Let me come with you." He said, "No, you need to go. You need uh, you take the boat back." <laughs> but bring your commandos when you come oh, back. Right. I was yeah, like, yes. yes, it's like Thunderball is going to be like this huge battle at the end between the commandos and all of Doctor No's henchmen. It's going to be awesome. All right, and then we get another iconic moment. Yeah, we have Honey Rider. She's coming up on the beach, mm-hmm. singing that song underneath the mango tree, which we've been hearing throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I, we wouldn't. <laughs> My <laughs> wife, when she watched it, she was like, uh, "Is that the only song in the movie?" <laughs> well, you said they were on a budget. They're There's on a budget. Also Jump up Jamaica. There's that too. But isn't that just in the end credits? Oh, no, no it was during the party as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she's played by Ursula Andress, mm-hmm. who was not able to reclaim the name Ursula from Disney. <laughs> I'm sure she tried her best. <laughs> but it's. I feel like it's impossible to have the name Ursula without thinking of the Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Actually, I think of George of the Jungle for some odd reason. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Oh, wow. You're missing out on a classic. <laughs> okay, so she's singing the mango tree, and then Bond starts singing mm-hmm. it, too. Okay. Can we talk about this? There's sure. two things I never, ever want to see James Bond do. Sing? Sing is okay. one, and play solitaire is the other <laughs> one. Bond. I think he plays solitaire in Tomorrow Never Dies, too, doesn't he? When he's waiting for Paris? Or is he just drinking? He's just drinking. Okay. Yeah. I, all right. That is what James Bond does. He, <laughs> he drinks. He doesn't sing, and he doesn't play any. And if he plays card games, it better be for money. <laughs> so, I okay. One of his earliest, uh, Sean Connery's earliest film roles is uh, what is it? Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which was mm-hmm. a Disney production, and he also sings in that. So I watched that Reese on St. Patrick's Day because it's on Disney Plus. Okay. And when my wife was watching this, she's like. He reminds me of someone like who is wait who was in that Irish was that was also Shankar's oh <laughs> and he's yeah. singing that so it's not the first time I've heard or the last that I've heard Sean Connery singing. <laughs> Brian, any thoughts on James Bond singing? Um, 
you know, that I'd rather hear um, Honey Rider sing. Fair. You know, and if you're tr going to try to like, if you're sneaking up on a girl, I don't want to say sneaking up, but if you're, if a girl is unaware that you're there, you might not want the first thing for her to hear is your singing talents. Which you have <laughs> uh, but hey, you know, I think he was sneaking up. It, it kind of felt like it in a way, kind of creepy, you know, peeping Tom kind of thing, but you know, just, yeah. But. So Honey Rider asks, you know, what are you do, doing here? You're looking for shells? He says, no, I'm just looking. <laughs> ah, classic James Bond. Some things never change. But then he's like, oh, I have honorable intentions. This strange man. A million miles from civilization by yourself. Well, not by himself. Coral's there, too. Well, Coral doesn't show up until later. Yeah. At so. the part where, there, where he says that, it's With just the two of them. White bikini. That's not kind of, you know, scary for her. <laughs> Well, she's got her knife, but then he can, like true. immediately disarms her once she pulls it. Uh, okay, so they're chitter chattering, and then a, a boat shows up with armed guards, and uh, so they go and hide. Yeah, they they start shooting at them with what looked like a Bren gun. Check mm -hmm. out, fellas, you can I can identify certain kind of guns. Is this because <laughs> it has that vertical magazine? Mm -hmm. That's like it's in a bunch of World War II movies, and I did like the part where Bond is like he's bluffing. He doesn't know for sure if we're there. Don't move. Just correct. And then, so yeah, they get shot at, and then they says, "Fine, you know, we'll be back. We'll be back with the dogs." Yep. <laughs> so then, Quarrel is there. They have a conversation about animals. Oh, this whole thing—it's basically her trying to show off what she knows. Do you know, like, basically that she knows this island? Okay. Have you seen all these things? The praying mantis eat its made after whatever. All that, all that stuff. Which yeah. is all like directly from the book. That okay. whole conversation. So, yeah. I'd rather hear about some birds of the West Indies. <laughs> so then Bond says to Quarrel, fetch my shoes. I was like, yo, fetch your own shoes, dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they dodge another search party by using like the, the reed, bamboo, bamboo reeds or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's some quality spy stuff. I like that. Uh, but then there's one lone guy dawdling behind the rest of the search party that James Bond takes out. Not dawdling. He's the he's the smart one because he's going. He's there after everyone else thinks that they're gone. Yeah, but he got him killed. True, but if it hadn't <laughs> got him killed, he would have been the smart one to actually find them. Okay, so then in the next scene, we learn about Ursula's backstory. Yeah, honey's backstory. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to pause for a minute and talk okay. to you guys about Bond's bod. Okay. <laughs> okay. So in this scene, he's he's shirtless. He's mm -hmm. shirtless in a lot of the movie, but he's shirtless mm -hmm. here too. Mm -hmm. And I read that he, Sean Connery got hired before he had not really done a lot of acting, and he was a bot. He was described as a bodybuilder in the right. blog post that I read. Mm -hmm. So when I, I mean, think of a bodybuilder, I think of like Arnold. Right. So in the sixties, bodybuilding was very different. He was, I think, Connery was like a Mister Universe at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, or something like I that. Mean, I believe that. Sure. That. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't really as focused on the ridiculous muscles that came in like the seventies and eighties. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So yeah, he was he was a bodybuilder, but he was and he was, but he did he did have some acting roles. Like I said, Darby O'Gill in The Little People was one of his right. earliest roles. Mm -hmm. But I, I was just, I think it was interesting that the Bond bod is not this like uber impossible, crazy, 
muscle roided out kind of guy. No, and it I mean it really didn't like it he was always fit, like but it wasn't until Daniel Craig that you had that sort of like more muscled body, like even you know, I would say Lazenby was you know, he was they were Lazenby um more they were fit, but they were never like giant bulging biceps kind of thing. The Roger about the hairy chest. Come on. Yeah, it was, yeah. That, that's what it was about. <laughs> so much, yeah. That's for the ladies. Did, did Roger Moore ever take his shirt off when he oh, was yeah. James Bond? Oh yeah. He didn't what have about in the later that. movies. Mm, I'm trying to remember. I don't like Man with the Golden Gun, he definitely took it off because of yeah. the third Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but in the later movies, I feel like he had to at least in Octopus. I don't remember anything. I don't remember him taking his shirt off in yes. Oh no, um, in the very final scene of View to Kill, he is shirtless because he's in the shower. Okay. We can stop talking about James Bond being shirtless now. <laughs> but it is a thing because even in um, the last one, Spectre, they actually had, so they could have a shirtless scene of Daniel Craig, they had it in the opening title sequence of him mm-hmm. with all these females touching his body or whatever. Now, of course, there's no body hair, but... No. Wait, that was, wait, 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 that was Spectre? I thought, Spectre was Spectre. Was the, I thought Spectre was the Day of the Dead opening. No, I mean in the title sequence, title not title, in the actual the movie. There's sequence. no shirtless scene of him in the movie proper. Well, yeah, no, no, there isn't. Was the only way they were able to do it, I guess, or that he maybe agreed to it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, we learn more about Honey Rider's backstory. That I think that she's a killer. She well, killed somebody. Yeah. So oh. Doctor No killed her father, who was a marine biologist, mm-hmm. and he came to Crab Key and then disappeared. And so when, you know, that happened, she was on her own and her landlord tried to rape her. Yes. So and she killed so him. She put a black widow spider in his mosquito net. So sometimes spiders can get the job done. <laughs> yes. Well, when it's in your mosquito net and it has nowhere to go, really. Nice. And so I like that Bond is like kind of taken aback by this. And she's like, you know, did I do the wrong thing? Well, I wouldn't make a habit out of it. Oh, yeah, like he's one to talk. <laughs> yeah, but he's he got a license to kill. She's just, you know, killing people with spiders. Yeah, it seems like justified revenge to me. So what kind of accent does she have? She's like this weird <laughs> accent. So she's dubbed, actually. Okay. Yeah, so her Ursula Andrews has like a very thick Swedish accent. And so she's mm-hmm. dubbed by uh, Nikki Vanderzil, I believe is her name. And she's actually dubbed a lot of the early Bond girls. So I think she took, you know, Ursula Andrews' Swedish accent and softened it a little bit, and so and so it's a quasi-Swedish accent, I think. Right. So then they find they finally meet the dragon, which is this, um, like a tank or like mm-hmm. a bulldozer that's painted. <laughs> the front of it's painted so it looks like the Legion of Doom headquarters from the Super Friends. <laughs> uh, they try to fight it and lose. Quarrel gets killed by its flamethrower. Yeah. Shouldn't have been that close with a little pistol. I mean, come on. Right. I mean, both of them only had, yeah, only had pistols. And I think it was what Quarrel was supposed to take out the driver. Like, how do you get to the driver in that thing? And Bond had the easier job of going for the tires and the lights. And he gets both the lights, I think. But I don't think he could even get the tires either. So they they were completely unequipped to deal with this thing. Gee, it's like that stopping power from the PPK wasn't actually that helpful. <laughs> you actually see in there when he's shooting, he's using a um, 19, uh, was it 1911 Colt in there? Not Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. The gun enthusiasts out there go back and look and you actually see, that happens a lot in the James Bond movies, especially the earlier ones. That's true. 
Yeah. Um, Sorry, who was using it? Quarrel? Bond. Bond was. Oh. I guess the uh the I don't know whatever the stunt team or whatever you know gave him the wrong gun. I don't know. Good mm, bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then the bad guys are like, drop your guns unless you want an extra navel, which is very <laughs> specific. And they get taken to the bad guy base. Yeah, and I found it interesting that Bond gets handcuffed, but they don't ever handcuff Honey. And so well, she's just going to get in they, they know who's more dangerous. Yeah, fair. Yeah, so they get go through decontamination. Yeah, you, you guys seen Chernobyl on HBO? I have not, no. So they have like the foam, like mm-hmm. from that decontaminating people. Uh, they they tell them take off all your clothes. Bond says do the girl first, <laughs> which is hilarious. Giving them orders, which is so great. He's like, well, what what about these handcuffs? Somebody do something about this, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, oh. so I like, yeah. He takes control of the situation, even though he's clearly not in control. He like takes control, takes that. Yeah, he well, I think he knows he's dealing with underlings. Mm, and underlings get ordered around. That's what they do. But speaking of the underlings, they're so nice. <laughs> they're so friendly. <laughs> they're like, be careful with the foam. Don't get it in your eyes. Have some food. Have some coffee. You know, whatever. So, but let's stick. Let's stick with this decontamination because it is like the most ridiculous thing. Is like a shower con- a conveyor belt with mm-hmm. showers. <laughs> Yeah, well, who designs this? <laughs> it is like something out of Batman. Mm. Of a Looney Tunes cartoon, you know, mm-hmm. like the Acme, you know, just the Acme shower thing going. They could have gotten one shower stall, just mm-hmm. put them in that, hose them off, pull them out again, and then they could have had some money for actual footage of missiles. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, I also wanted to talk about the base. Okay. okay. I wanted to talk about the structure of James Bond movies. And I'm sorry again for leading off off topic. I'm actually not that sorry. So (laughs) I feel like From Russia With Love is the spiritual first James Bond movie. Okay. And my reasoning for this is that it is far more grounded than this one. Okay. And you think well? Okay, that that depends on what you think the ideal Bond movie is. Whether it's the more grounded, serious one, or if it's the more out there, sort of over the top stuff. Okay, let me make a comparison with the Fast and Furious movies. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> so, in the first Fast and Furious movies, they yeah. are street racers, mm-hmm. street racing, All and right. then they gradually work their way up to. Heists. Jump to heists and then jumping their cars over nuclear submarines. And, and then so they're super on. spies. And then they're which right. means we're gonna cover them here, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> now, in contrast with James Bond, I think it makes more sense for him to be fighting one assassin on a train mm-hmm. and then gradually work his way up to these guys with these messed up hands and co- funny code names and big bad guy bases that he has to explode doomsday mm. devices and so on mm. you know what i mean yeah well i mean dr no and i, I we'll get i'll get into this more in when we get into the spy fact for spy fiction about how the well, how the book's different but i feel like the movie had to establish specter and we'll get into more more into that later um but I also feel like if you if you're going for it, and this is this is a movie unlike anything that had been seen to this point, you just go all in on it, and I, I appreciated that. 
it, you know, it, this was more over the top. And the more I think about it from Russia with love could be considered the first James Bond movie. I think that with this, they had to kind of set a, a, a standard in a way, or kind of show mm -hmm. what, it, what the James, Bond. I don't know why they picked Dr. No of all the books. I mean, to be for the first movie, maybe you guys know that. I, I think part of it had to do with um, that. Is there's only one location other than London? There's only one, and it was the cheap, the one that could do the cheapest. Okay, uh, but yeah, if I'm gonna say, if I'm gonna say to somebody, go, you know, go watch a James Bond movie. Um, the first one wouldn't be Doctor No. That's fair. Uh, yeah, and I actually this the one that would be more over the top is Goldfinger. I think <laughs> you know, but I think. Mm -hmm. One one, but it, it, everybody says from Russia with Love is more of a spy movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel so much like a spy movie. It's more maybe about him being. This is more the de detective Bond, like you said, there, Zach. Um, maybe the more detective that he's ever been. Uh, or, um, but I think Russia with Love, you know, it, it was grounded. You didn't have anybody with a claw or any kind of crazy, yeah, any any kind of like, you know, uh, eye patch or anything like that. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, this. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe it's because of the space race. James Bond movies have always been timely about what they've done. Um, go back and look at, uh, well, I mean, I guess you could say about the race to space with you only live twice about, you know, the uh, U.S. versus U.K. versus Russia trying to get to the, the first one on the moon. Um, that's where I, I think that's where they were trying to go with this in a sense, but they couldn't because of the budget. And that's kind of why they came back to that. Um, okay. Really added anything in there, but. I, I just feel like if you're going to see Dr. No, and then you go to From Russia with Love, you're going to be like, where's the bad guy base? Where's <laughs> well, the army of henchmen? If you want to know why that, and because they filmed these in completely out of order of the actual novels. But mm -hmm. if you want to know why they went to From Russia with Love next, it's because From Russia with Love was one of Kennedy's favorite books. That makes and sense. And it's actually the only nonfiction book on his top 10 list of books to read. Kennedy was a big Bond fan. He said that he wishes that he had James Bond on his staff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Is there anything you more you want to say about the decontamination scene? No, I think I'm good about that. Okay. So they get shown to their rooms. We touched on that and they get given coffee, which drugs them, puts them to mm -hmm. sleep for what appears to be no reason at no, all. No reason. No, they're already captives there. They don't need to be drugged. Well, except they're on a timer, right? That just occurred to me. They're like, what? it's 12 hours until the launch. Oh. So we put James Bond to sleep for four hours. Now he only has eight hours to stop us. <laughs> no, Dr. No finally shows up. But we still don't see him. He's still in shadow. Yes. And he says, let's have dinner. Just mm -hmm. like they always do. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about the painting. I asked Christian right. specifically not to talk about the painting. So I could tell you guys about it. Yeah, so... Well, let's, let's let's lead into the scene first. So okay, we fine. have Bond and Honey dressed in, you know, nice Chinese outfits going to dinner mm -hmm. with Dr. No. And they get into, well, what what I, I made a joke that uh, it gives Sunken Living Room a whole new meeting. Womp womp. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Come on, we're, in a, we're doing James Bond film. I'm going to make bad puns. Yeah, you, you can't let him be the only one to do it. So yeah, yeah, so and it's a under it's a sort of semi underground room with these giant giant windows looking out into the ocean. And when they're going to dinner, they see a painting. And Zach, you can lead into this. <laughs> so this is something I learned from the blog post. And I guess Christian knows it, but maybe Brian doesn't or our listeners don't. So at the time, early nineteen sixties, this painting from the movie had been stolen. And no one knew who stole it, and no one knew where it was. And it was like this big 
hoopla of the day. So then they put in the movie as like a joke and John Bond even does a double take to be like, get it? Dr. No is the one who stole this painting. But 50 years later, nobody understands that the joke. <laughs> yeah, the uh, painting is, I believe, Goya's Portrait of the Duke of Wellington. I don't know if it's actually still missing right now, though. Uh, no, I think they did eventually find it. Ah, okay. Okay, so during the dinner, Bond lies about radioing back to headquarters. Mm-hmm. Also, we find that find out that yeah, that this is when we find out that Doctor No has mechanical a- hands, uh, yes. because of the radiation. Mm-hmm. So again, he's like Doctor Claw because his hands are like really powerful. Mm-hmm. Or uh, it's is. like Bruce Campbell from Army of Darkness, where his hand can crush stuff. <laughs> so he's half German, half Chinese. He became a treasurer for the Tongs, and yeah. stole some of their money yes. to set up his and- new operation. And he doesn't care about politics. He wants world domination on behalf of Spectre. Yeah, and this is the first mention of Spectre. Mm-hmm. And we get the full acronym. Brian, you want to give us the full acronym? Do you remember it off the top of your head? Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. Damn it. I don't know. It's Spectre. I, I can't. <laughs> uh, extortion, it's... terrorism. No, terrorism, extortion. Uh, Revenge is in there somewhere. Yeah, it's a special... Was it special exec- executive for terrorism, revenge, and extortion? I think that's right. Yeah, something like but, that. Uh, but at least, unlike Shield from the Marvel comics and movies, it doesn't change. <laughs> it's really long, but they don't change it between movies, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. And he tries to recruit James Bond to mm-hmm. join them, which is like what? <laughs> that's a twist. But of course, Bond's like, no, I'm, I'm, I work for you know the what. I'm work for the side of good and yes. Yeah. So, so they beat him up and they throw him in a prison cell, which looks right out of the spy who came in from the cold Yeah. or yeah. a Stasi prison, which I visited when I was in Berlin and, but he escapes almost immediately <laughs> by using his shoe on like the worst constructed grate I've ever seen. I was say, yeah, that's, life. that's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get- well, so my, my only argument for this is, Maybe because it's electrified, they figured they don't need to make it that strong because who's going to get through it if it's electrified? But clearly the answer is James Bond. But he, he like hits it, he like punches it twice and it falls apart. <laughs> it's pre- pretty funny. So he breaks through and he does the ventilation shaft. So there's this joke. It's in the Boondock Saints. It's mm-hmm. in all these movies. James Bond always goes through the ventilation shafts. I can't remember any movie where he actually mm-hmm. calls No, this is the only through. time where you see James Bond. Well, it's to my knowledge. I can make two exceptions for that, and that they're not ventilation shafts; they're like uh, oil tubes or oil right. pipelines. But other than other than that, it, he never goes in a vent. Yes, that's and then more he, of the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible than I'm James Bond. Moonraker. Moonraker, he did go in a vent. Oh, you're right. Okay, well, that's it, that was more like an exhaust port when he get, what he goes through with. Okay, I mean, I'll, come I'll on, let's, let's let's not parse the difference between ventilation shafts and exhaust ports. Okay. <laughs> Um, I also like how this predated Die Hard by like 20 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, Goldeneye. Goldeneye. He went through there. Oh right, because he, he goes through. Uh, all right, you, yeah. you're right. And he pops out in the in the uh, bathroom. The purpose on this as a guest on this episode. I know I did. It's <laughs> <laughs> and, t- and creeping in on somebody as they're taking it. <clears throat> Number two. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess he does do it enough for the joke to actually work. But while while he's going, his clothes get like torn to pieces mm-hmm. because he gets hit by like a like a wave of water. Well, also the pipe itself is very hot, so he like uses his jacket to like rip off parts for his hands so he can move along. 
Yeah. Uh, but he gets out, does a stealth kill, like right out of Arkham Asylum, <laughs> and then and then steals the costume, the classic, mm. the classic move. And then the movie grinds to a halt. <laughs> well, hey, you get your bits of, you know, uh, wait, do you, I don't think we actually see the rockets. We hear it. And we yes. see it on tiny screens, but we don't actually yes. see the rocket launch. All right, fair. That's fair. right. So this whole this whole scene is just so boring. <laughs> Believe it's me, it's supposed I would... to be tension, like building up the tension of OR. And again, I think it's 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 a it's a artifact of its times because you know Cold War. Well, especially right at this moment, like when you when we're, they're watching this, if they're watching not watching it the very first week, if they're watching it a week later. This mm-hmm. is the height of the Cold War, height of the Cuban Missile Crisis. So that tension about being blown up is already there. Couldn't they at least have had some tension music, though? <laughs> he, wants, he wants Austin Powers' international spy of mystery, or international man of mystery. He wants the guy doing the countdown, even after he's kind of blown up or whatever. <laughs> uh, or, you know. Yeah, Judo, that Judo, would have been great. You know, <laughs> So I did like, you know, when they're launching the uh, beam or the the uh, radio signal to top and do the toppling. This little tiny satellite dish comes out of a out of a thing, and that's like, uh-huh. is that what they're using to transmit this whole thing? Size matters not. <laughs> okay, so he, he he basically this scene he just he blends in with the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Doctor No was fooled by James Bond's terrible disguise. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing just standing there? Go get to work. And James Bond's like, duh, 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 duh. so do we know what this wheel does? Dude, I don't care. Because I it, like, it care. literally just says danger level above it. And like, so it's a danger level wheel. So if you turn this wheel, mm-hmm. it just increases the danger level. This is going to be the most nitpicky thing I've ever said on this podcast. So I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I know. Even for me, it's very nitpicky. But pretty much everybody working there is Chinese, but all the signs are in English. Whatever. All right, yeah. I, I, and actually never thought about that. Well, it's, it's the for the benefit of the audience. Yep. Okay, so Bond overloads the reactor, causing the base to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Everybody scatters. <laughs> no gets up there and starts fist fighting Bond. Yep. And they're like fighting above the water, which I guess is bad for you. The Bond Irradiated music starts. Water. Yeah. yeah, the Bond music starts. He knocks Dr. No into the water, presumably killing him. We don't get a body. <laughs> Everyone in a way. And he goes to find Honey, and we get our first death trap. I realized that was the one thing we were missing from this movie, was an elaborate death trap. Okay. Wait, do you th- you define this as a death trap? Water? Well, or she's tied down? or uh... So, yes. what it's supposed to be, it, they were, and they, they tried to film this, is it was she's supposed to get uh, tortured by crabs. But the crabs oh. weren't really... And I'll go into this in, more in the Spy Fact for Spy Fiction when I'm talking about the book. They didn't really work, mm-hmm. so the film and it, for filming, so it didn't look good. So they just have her tied up, and that's why. Okay, so I thought because she was on like a like a, a ramp, and the water's like coming up the ramp. Ah. Yeah, the, the water's going to come up and drown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it works perfectly in that. If you ha- if you didn't have that knowledge of reading the book or knowing the knowing that, then yeah, that makes mm-hmm. perfect sense. So we get a death trap. I admit it's not very elaborate, <laughs> but there you go. So so he gets her out. They steal a boat. Mm-hmm. Everything explodes. The commandos finally show up, mm-hmm. rescue them. 
I know we're moving kind of fast. The, the commanders rescue them, but then Bond lets the rope out and they just drift away as mm-hmm. the credits roll. And that's and that's the end of the movie, which mm-hmm. ends with a James Bond will return in From Russia with Love. We also learned that Dr. No is played by Joseph uh, Wiseman. Wiseman, not exactly a Chinese actor, mm-hmm. I guess. Nope, nope. Whew. Yeah, so that's the film. Uh, do we want to go right into Spy Fact for Spy Fiction? Sure. All right, so what I've got, well, first of all, not ju- not talking about the book yet, but actually talking about real life stuff. So like we said, this was happening very close, well, or this was released very close to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. And um, the rocket that is mentioned, well, there's not a, while it did not orbit the moon, there was a rocket launched on October 3rd, 1962, which was the Mercury uh, Atlas 8. Mm-hmm. which had astronaut, uh, where was it? Who was it? Walter Shira in the Sigma-7 Mercury capsule. So there was an actual capsule that was launched around the right time, but okay. it wasn't going around the moon. Um, as you mentioned, there was the portrait, uh, which had, was gone missing at the time. Also, in the briefing with M, in depending on which version you're watching, sometimes when he says, since, once I was the, since I've been the head of MI6, Sometimes he's dubbed over saying MI7. Whoa! Because MI6 was not publicly acknowledged as a as a gov- as a, a government institution yet. Mm-hmm. But in uh, was it World War One? MI7 was the branch of military operations that dealt with propaganda for the British. I see. I know that. Finally, uh, the armor who comes in, who's referred to as Major Boothroyd in the credits is based on, well, in the novels, um, Q, the character of Q was basically was called Major Boothroyd, and he was based on a firearms, a British firearms expert named Geoffrey Boothroyd, who actually wrote in to Ian Fleming saying that Bond shouldn't be using this Beretta 418, he should use something a bit more powerful. And so Fleming wrote him into the novels mm-hmm. as the armorer for MI6. And then hence the scene where he swaps his guns mm-hmm. out. Yes. Uh, and then this is a, this is my transition from going into real life into the books, or into what's happened in the book. So in mm-hmm. the books, uh, From Much Real Love comes before Dr. No. And at the very end of From Much Real Love, his, bu- his uh, gun jam- like gets stuck in his, hol- in his shoulder holster and he gets injured. And so that's what he said that when um, M is mentioning that his gun jammed on him on his last mission. He's referring to the novel. And from okay, Russia wait, 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 wait. So, yeah. does this mean that the movie from Russia with Love actually takes place? No, no, because oh. they make reference to Spectre, and they even explicitly oh. refer to Doctor No in oh. From Russia with Love. Okay. Also, so now, Sylvia Trench comes back. You said exactly. Yes. Um, and then the big difference for the book and the movie is when. Uh, you don't find out about the toppling until the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's going in, he's going in because, yeah, the, yes, Professor Strangway is missing, but he was d- missing, uh, actually doing a inquiry for the Audubon Society because Crab Key is a has a very important bird that is only found there, and the Audubon Society was like uh, had sent some people and they died. So it was really about birds, and also 
about because apparently guano, these birds produced guano, which is very good, important for fertilizing operations. So it's 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 fascinating that they, and, and I'm very glad they made that change. Also, Dr. No dies by getting a bunch of guano dumped on him. Wow. Can I make that, a reference that you guys would probably never, ever make on this show? Go sure. for it. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, it was all about the guano. <laughs> I, I thought I thought of manure. I hate manure from Back to the Future. That's also a good reference. <laughs> but e- either way, I like Doctor No's death in the movie a lot. Oh yes. Um, also, Doctor No in the books not a member of Spectre. Okay. And oh, and let's see, two more things. He's so Felix Leiter not in the book at all. At all. Okay, yeah. that's fine. So he, but they, um, like like Spectre, it's a thing that they decide we're going to add these things in early so that we don't have to add them in later, and the mm-hmm. audience will just know about it. Um, lastly, Honey Rider, when she comes out of the ocean in the book, she's just wearing the knife belt, nothing else. Oof. Couldn't get away for the, with that on a movie screen. So yeah, not even with creative camera angles and stuff. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, so that's uh, I think that's pretty much what I've got for spy fact for spy fiction. Nice. Um, shall we go into our favorite quotes? I I can do one. Sure. Uh, so I have the serious one, but I have a feeling Christian's going to want to do the serious one. So I'll do the other one, which is by Bond. He says, I'm feeling Italian and musical. <laughs> I forgot about that. I line. never want to hear James Bond sing. I never <laughs> want to hear him describing himself as feeling musical. All right, Brian, do you have any favorite quotes? Immediately. Almost immediately. Um, but he's kissing Sylvia mm-hmm. Trent before he leaves on the flight. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I like that one. And I would say, um, you've had your six. Ah, that's a good one too. That's my other favorite. So I always like, I I, I guess I like, and I think we go over this in Munich when, uh, what's his name, Louis, who's played Mm -hmm. by the uh, actor who plays Dominic Green in in Quantum. He makes a very similar line to this. And so I like, anytime this uh, thing comes up, I like it. It's what Dr. No is saying. East, West just points on the compass. Each is stupid as the other. Yep. I knew you were going to say that one. That's How did why you I didn't know that? Steal it. <laughs> I know you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have done our spy fact and fiction. We've done our quotes. Now it is time for our ratings. On a scale of one to 10 martinis, one being the worst spy movie that could ever be, and the 10 being the greatest, how would we rate Dr. No? All right. Brian, as our guest, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, I'll give it an. Eight out of ten. All um, right. I, you know, I, I, it's definitely not the best Bond movie, but every time I go back and watch it, I'm like, well, like, and I know I keep saying this, but it's set the template. It, mm-hmm. it really has set a template for what James Bond movies are, and um, it's got so many things that you know, just applied. The money penny scene, the martini shaken not stirred, the names Bond ja- or Bond James Bond, uh, the, the reason for the PPK. Uh, Felix Leiter uh, going into M's office at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just uh, so many things. So, um, yeah, I give it an A out of 10. Does it hold up? Uh, I guess it depends on more if you're a James Bond fan or a film fan in general. Just I think it deserves respect. I'll, I'll say mm-hmm. that. All right. Zach? You guys aren't going to like my rating. <laughs> so you can ask Christian. I've been being a little bit generous with my ratings. I try to be really objective where truly one is truly bad. 10 is really amazing. And five is like average. So I am going to give Dr. No a five out of 10. So there right. are a few reasons why, as I said, although I like James Bond, 
I'm not biased towards Jamie Bond movies in general. I prefer nonfiction movies that we've been covering. So fictional ones heard it. And although there's a lot to like in this movie, that boring ending scene <laughs> did a lot of damage, I felt. And I just know there are other better James Bond movies that I would rather watch rather than watching this again. All right. All right. And so for my rating, so I'm actually, I'm going to actually agree with, uh, with Brian and give this an eight out of 10. So I, and this may be partly because this is one of the ones I don't come back to as much just because, you know, I've, I've seen it and it's the first and yeah, I've seen a lot of the others like your Casino Royales, your Honor Magic Secret Services, your From Russia Loves. I've seen those sometimes, but I don't revisit this one. So coming back to this, it felt good, new and fresh to me watching and also watching with my wife who'd never seen it before. It was getting that, you know, first time perspective and watching mm -hmm. it, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, even though some of the things like the music, like other than the James Bond theme, the music wasn't quite right there. You know, you didn't have your classic John Barry score and maybe you didn't necessarily have your gadgets like you would in your other James Bond films, but that made it really sort of a back to basics way that I just really enjoyed. Thanks. One last thing. Yes. You're talking about the music, mm -hmm. the lyric, me and my love make a Bulu loop soon. It's yes. so strange. <laughs> so I know that's what they did in the 60s. I know they used euphemisms. So what I think makes this even funnier is that at, at someone told Monty Norman that, that was a euphemism they used, but apparently no one's ever heard of it in Jamaica. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, it was it was just really weird to keep hearing it through through the movie. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for joining us. Brian, would you like to do one last plug? You don't have to if you don't want to. Why not? Sure. Um, find me um, at the Night Cave on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and of course on iTunes and Spreaker. Guys, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's been fun. And uh, it's always fun talking with somebody, obviously, who's a Bond fan, Bond fan, and somebody. Who, I don't want. I'm not trying to say you're critical, bud, but uh, <laughs> you know, I prefer to think of myself as open-minded. Yeah, <laughs> from a different perspective, it's always good to see somebody from the outside, you know, chiming on the Bond movie. So, uh, great discussing this with you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. So you can find us on the social media at the Spy Fi Guys on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And we are the Spy Fi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Spy Fi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song for this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Find our podcast on social media at The Spotify Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.